Hello, hello. Welcome to the Making a Marketer podcast, the show for all levels of experience with the best guests in the industry. Get ready to learn and laugh. Here we go. I am Megan Powers with Powers of Marketing. You can find me at Megan Powers on Twitter. And this is Making a Marketer. I am Elizabeth Glow. Client Success Manager at Sciencio, maker of EventBots. You can find me at Elizabeth Glau. Welcome to Making a Marketer. I am Jen Cole, Community Manager at Social Media Examiner and co-founder at Depict Media. You can find me at Jen Cole ICT on Twitter and Instagram. And we are Making a Marketer. Well, I am super pumped for this show because I know I always say that. (laughs) But I think we have great guests. And the topic today is really hot. Chatbots are being used more and more. And there's a lot of resources out there. And there's some people that can help you do them. And there's obviously different ways that they're being used. So we have a couple of great guests today that will answer a lot of questions for us and get into all that. First, want to share this show is sponsored by Powers of Marketing, strategic marketing consultation for small to medium-sized businesses. Really, our goal is to help our clients greater exposure and increase their bottom line. All right. Our guest today, we'll start with a past guest, Kelly Noble Maravella. She's a stellar media marketing. She's an experienced marketing consultant, vivacious speaker, and trusted social media guide. For over eight years, Kelly's concentrated her career on social media for business, teaching social networking skills and online marketing techniques to real estate agents, business owners, and other professionals. Beginning with a background in traditional marketing and customer service, she recognized the benefit of social media for business way before it became the standard. She's cultivated a successful business that she formed in 2010, catering to nationwide professionals who strive to grow their businesses with online strategies. Welcome, Kelly. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. Yay! I know we've been talking about chatbots for a while. So AI chatbots is the topic today. And we also have another guest who is... a. She works with a company called Sciencio. And her name is Suzanne Sanders. Suzanne is a data-driven tech marketer with early roots in the creative world, diffuses analytics and imagination to drive marketing for innovative tech and media firms. She thrives on optimizing ROI, whether using the best data science to drive investment goals or deploying a savvy PR and social media strategy to amplify media spend. Welcome, Suzanne. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here. I'm also a marketing consultant, and my company is called Jupiter 6, and Ciencio is one of my main clients. Fantastic. All right, so AI chatbots might sound Greek to some of you. So Elizabeth here on our hosting team also works for Ciencio. So we w- I want to give her a chance to to share with us in easy to understand terms, kind of like what a chatbot is and kind of what it is that we're going to be talking about today. All right. So the uh, definition I've cobbled together for our purposes is a chatbot is a computer program that attempts to simulate a conversation of a human via text or voice interactions. A user can ask a chatbot a question or make a command and the chatbot responds or performs the requested action. Today, most chatbots are either accessed via virtual assistants, such as Google Assistant and Amazon Alexa, via messaging apps, such as Facebook Messenger or SMS, or via apps and websites. Fabulous. All right. So we're going to dig into the questions. So Kelly, your way that you use chatbots is different from Sciencio. So 
I love that your answers are going to be different based on, on what you're doing. So I want to know what for you is the best use of chatbots that you've seen work for your clients? Uh, so for me, I think it's growing an engaged audience that overcomes kind of the Facebook algorithm. I'm using Facebook Messenger bots. And most of my clients are focusing on how am I going to get past this 1%? Facebook algorithm. And so it's really utilizing tools like Facebook Live, Facebook Video, and you know other ways that we use Facebook, but then entwining those with a chatbot strategy that helps kind of behind the scenes create an engagement and either in- gets people on your Facebook page to comment and like and share. So increasing that engagement, which if you are wondering why I'm saying engagement so much, that's what Facebook has said they want in order to overcome that 1%. But then on top of that, maybe sometimes, a lot of times actually, just skipping the Facebook page altogether and saying, Hey, go view my video, go check out my blog, go listen to my podcast from that space. And yet you still have this community of people on the back end that are really engaged and more engaged, I believe, than say like an email list. Because there's a more conversational aspect to it, especially if you respect the user and you build your bots in a way that make it that they understand they're not being spammed and you're trying to bring value and all that. So, and segmenting is super important. But that's the number one thing that I'm seeing with my clients and my students is how am I going to overcome the frustrations of the 1% and cultivate a community with chatbots? Fabulous. Suzanne, what about you? Well, I mean, I think Asensio is really focused on providing really useful chatbots that are focused on jobs to be done. So the way that they've designed their event bot is really around a problem that attendees have with regards to having too much information to consume and really simplifying the answers that they give their attendees on demand through a chatbot. So it's really providing useful information to help attendees get information they need easily. It's like, you know, a personal assistant extension, but guided through the brand's lens. And this use of a chatbot not only helps the attendee access the information that they need, but it also allows the Sciencio team to focus on the more important conversations. Fantastic. So Suzanne, why don't I start with you on my question? I would like to know, so are you only coding the the chatbots for your clients? Are you also teaching them how to do this for themselves as well? We're not really teaching them. We are offering them an option to create a chatbot through a template. I think from our experience, they shouldn't have to worry about the technology. The technology behind chatbots, it just is a, a steeper learning curve. So we're creating templates that make it really super simple for event marketers or event planners to provide you know, or to build a chatbot through these templates. Um, we also do custom chatbots. So we code chatbots for you know, event planners who have you know, more complex events. Wow, that, that's really cool. I can see how that could come in really handy for sure, especially in real time uh, problem solving conversations that, you know, that tend to happen when it comes to events like, you know, in real time is magical. <laughs> um, so that's right. really interesting. I mean, the, I think the most difficult part of building a chatbot is building the conversation. And, you know, as simple as we can make that, the technology, the more focus they can have around the conversation and what conversations that they want to have with their attendees and also providing that useful information that they can, they can find easily, you know, through their, um, you know, phone or, or Facebook messenger. 
Yeah, I think that could be very, very helpful for attendees and for the people doing the event itself. That's awesome, Suzanne. Thank you. And Kelly, what about you? So I actually do things a little different. <laughs> My main goal is to teach people how to do these. I work mostly with people who are smaller businesses, so solopreneurs and small business owners who maybe don't have the funds to hire someone full-time to take care of their chatbot and just need some simple solutions to get the job done. So I actually have a whole series of 80s-themed videos <laughs> that <laughs> teach you how to use chatbots. And I have actual walkthroughs, complete walkthroughs of how to build a survey, how to build a template, how to build a quiz, you know, and all these full walkthroughs. But then I also break down the trainings into, you know, how do you connect ManyChat and how do you do this piece of it? So I'm a big believer in teaching. I'm a natural teacher. I've been teaching since before I started my business. It's how I built my business. That's not to say I don't have clients who I do consulting or custom builds for, but I think this because of the nature of the people I work with and where my kind of focus is right now, I really enjoy teaching people how to utilize these strategies for themselves, especially that solopreneur that sometimes it's just easier for them to do it, you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And you can totally tell that you love to do it. I mean, your brand is just, it is stellar. Stellar is the perfect word for it, man. Oh, you you. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. I'll tell you, the reason I started my series about five months ago, I actually started. It feels like I've been doing it all year because I've been working with chatbots for two years. My series started two years ago, or, uh, about six months ago. And I started it because I really wanted to dive in and start really learning something new and like leveling up. And all the videos on YouTube were really unedited and very tech talky and so boring. <laughs> I was like, be better. I'm going to make it better. So as I learn, I teach. And that's really my whole philosophy for the chatbot thing. I don't call myself an expert. I'm seen as an expert because I'm out there teaching what I learned. But sure. I'm Student. And I think any good, you know, quote unquote expert is also a good student and just as sharing that knowledge onward to other people. And hopefully I'm doing it justice because I sure do have fun. <laughs> Amen, sister. That's awesome. The passion goes a long way. Yeah. Yeah. So now that we've kind of, you know, laid a little bit of, you know, some groundwork, I want you each to talk about, you know, why, why chatbots, right? Like, why is this such a, you know, cool thing right now? Why is it getting so much, you know, airtime? Like why? So there's, there's two, two ways you can take this. Feel free to, you know, pick either one. So why do we as, you know, consumers or customers, like, why do we want to talk to machines, right? Versus a human, or maybe you want to answer like, why would a company want a machine to talk to their customers instead of them doing it themselves? So Kelly, I'll start with you. Great. I'm glad that you asked this question. I was actually just on a call yesterday with a friend of mine who we're going to start kind of another venue, if you will, another side hustle on chatbots working for home builders to develop chatbots that will help with their online sales consultant. And one of the big concerns in that industry, and I'm sure this goes across the board, is I don't necessarily want the chatbot to replace my sales team because sales is one of those things that we need a human, right? So I have a background in sales. I used to sell homes for a living for a home builder. I was an online sales consultant for um, a couple of years. So I know the process and I know what's important, but I also know the mindset of a lot of people. And as a consumer, especially for those longer tail sales processes, things like houses, cars, things that cost more money, we do more research. We're not always ready to talk to a human right away, but we want answers right now, right? Because we don't want to be sold to. And that's the fear in those salesy industries is I don't 
want to be sold to. I just want my answers. And so sometimes it's less invasive to give a chatbot option and be open and upfront about the fact, by the way, if you're in California or a chatbot in California, you better be open about the fact that they're talking <laughs> to a bot and you just say, hey, I'm here to help. And at any time, you know, I'll let you know if it's time to talk to a human and you just can start qualifying people. So I think just one piece of that big question is that sometimes as humans in the sales process, in the early set of a sales process, we don't want to talk to a human. I just want my freaking answers, right? <laughs> and I want it to be quick. And I want it to be easy. And I just don't necessarily want to be sold to. So I think it takes away that barrier of, I'm afraid that someone's going to try to pitch me if I ask the question. And that scares people away. And, and honestly, businesses are losing business because of that. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think that nowadays people are inundated with information, but they're also expecting information. They want answers to their questions right away. So it's become kind of an on-demand expectation and they don't want a lot of barriers to that. So the way that chatbots make you know life easier is you can go and you can get guided to your the information that you want without having to you know talk to somebody i mean that's that's the basically the same thing like you don't have to talk to anybody you can just ask the chatbot to give you information that you need and the chatbot's just going to do that and i think that's the way that people are utilizing chatbots in the most successful ways is really getting out of the way and really providing value to the end customer and uh, providing a way to um, guide them through an experience. I mean, I think a lot of brands are also using um, chatbots for merchandising, you know, mm -hmm. just to being able to offer suggestions based on um, what the user is giving them for information and being able to cross-sell and upsell those people to, you know, the products that they might, you know, want to discover. But it's all around how do you provide value to the end customer? How do you guide that customer with a lot out a lot of like pushy sales, you know, kind of conversations? I think a lot of people, especially young people, are really used to using chat bots or not even chat bots, but just text in general to communicate. And I actually found a very interesting stat when I was writing um, some content for Stancio is that you know, 45% of the end users prefer chatbots as the primary mode of communication for customer service. And it's not just about the end user, about, I think, an aspect survey, uh, surveyed 500 customer service agents and 44% of the reps said that if a chatbot was handling mundane support questions, they would be able to apply their intellect, you know, so it, it's really a win-win situation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I, you know, it's funny too, because I was just thinking, when I am on a web page that offers that pop-up, it says someone can talk to you now. I kind of don't even want there to be actual person. I wanted to, but now I've come so accustomed to whether it's a bot or a person to getting that answer right away. So now when I don't get that, I'm super frustrated. I, I had that happen recently where, and, and I, they're like, send us a message. And I not, I never got a response. I'm like, Oh, they don't want my business. Okay. Yeah. I think that you bring up an important point too, is that there's a learning, a bit of a learning curve, not in the use of how to build them, but for the consumer. You know, I've been in audiences of 300 plus people where we've polled people live. Do you think that chatbots are useful or annoying? And at the beginning of the talk, they're unanimously saying they're annoying. But then when you explain what they are and what they can do for the business and the consumer at the end of the talk, it's like, oh, 
useful. So as you were saying, Megan, like at first, when those first start popping up, you're like, ah, so invasive. But now you have been trained or you've been taught through use that this is a useful tool that as a consumer, I like this feature. I know I'm always like, you know, I do like meal deliveries and I'm always on the customer chat with like plated, hey, you forgot my lettuce because then they'll always send me something free and it's wonderful. (laughs) And they actually forget my lettuce. But (laughs) part of it is a learning curve. And I think over the next, over this past year, we've really seen chatbots come full force in kind of us more tech people are starting to really embrace it. Whereas in 2019, I think you're going to see more and more consumer facing embrace because big name brands are now adapting this. You've got your Coke, your Pizza Huts, your Domino's are embracing the chatbot. And the more you see that, the more the consumer's like, you know what, this is helpful. As long as businesses keep doing it right. And by right, I mean following the rules and not spamming and you know all that good stuff. Right. Yeah. Like I had, this is funny because I met a guy who was doing his master's thesis on chatbots uh, when I was in Portugal last fall. And I mentioned to him that I had an issue with Delta and I tweeted at them while on the plane and got an answer right away. And I did, he was, oh yeah, Delta uses chatbots. And I was like, oh, because I didn't know because they did such a good job of when a human needed to get involved, they did. Mm-hmm. But at first I didn't realize that it was a bot. So I think as long as I like transparency, but I think Sometimes it's like, as long as you get across what you need to get across, and then a human intervenes when it's necessary. Yeah, the only time that people get pissed off, I think, that they're talking to a chatbot is when it fails. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When they, don't, they don't get the answers that they want. Otherwise, I don't think really people care. They just want to get information and they want to have quality customer service. I think the balance is... is you know, making sure that it doesn't fail and also creating that seamless bridge into a sort of a live support person so that they can answer the questions that need to be answered at the appropriate time, you know, a more alive person. Yeah, I would absolutely agree with that. You need to have a seamless process. And especially if you are really trying to create complicated, quote unquote, smart chatbots with lots of keywords and stuff. The more you try to smarten your bot, the more likely your bot will fail. So you have to have some kind of fail safe where, okay, the bot's not getting it. The human needs to step in right away. Otherwise, every time that bot doesn't get it, customers like, I'm frustrated. I'm out of here. This is BS, right? So we, we have to have a nice balance and not try to make it... I think right now, there's the tech is not there to make it so like human unless you're like Google or you have a million dollars to spend on your chatbot. So the average company needs to start thinking about how can we create smart bots, but the smarter it is, the more we have to integrate that human seamlessly. For sure. So Kelly, let's talk a little bit about how chatbots work with Facebook advertising our audiences big marketing audiences so i know they'll find that really valuable so how are you how are you doing that so chatbot advertising can be done in a couple of different ways three main ways that you've probably seen there well there's actually more than three but in terms of capturing them for people there's the kind where it says comment below the comment trigger basically comment below and we'll send you a message you could do that in a facebook ad then there's the url we call it ref url behind the scenes but it's a url that leads into a specific type of flow. And then you have the kind that it's the actual call to action is the messenger button on the ad. A lot of us have probably seen this done improperly, which is interesting (laughs) because a lot of businesses say, oh, this is a great idea. We're going to capture people. You click into it. It just takes them to their start 
screen, like welcome screen. It doesn't really take them anywhere. It doesn't tie to the ad. It doesn't bring any value other than, hey, thanks for joining our chatbot. Like nobody cares. Right. Uh, it's like joining someone's email list for the first time. Thanks for joining my email list. Okay. Like what's in it for me? So the, I think the important thing is, is whenever you're running money behind anything, but it's certainly your chatbot, have a purpose for the consumer. Don't just have it to build your list. Have an end goal. Like they need to enter some kind of custom experience that brings them value, whether they're ca- they're getting captured for a lead magnet, for an event registration, for a webinar, what have you. There's there's so many amazing uses for chatbots that can be added a little money on it or more, lots of money on it. But the key is, is that you're leading people to a place that it makes sense. There's an actual strategy. Otherwise, you're just throwing money away because that goes with anything you do with Facebook ads. Of course. Yeah. Call to action that... That actually leads somewhere besides your welcome message. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah totally. So Suzanne, I would like to ask you and Kelly both this question. So Facebook Messenger and websites are wonderful avenues to use your chatbot on. Do you guys see expanding past both of those avenues? So Suzanne, let's start with you and see. I I would like to know what you both think on this. Sciencio actually uses SMS mainly. That's mainly the the thing that they use just because if there's such wide adoption, everybody has a cell phone. And so they can, the reach of SMS is just huge. And, you know, I think that that's what their clients are, you know, mostly interested in is making sure that anybody that attends events can easily you know, access the information that they're providing. It doesn't offer as much, you know, uh, design customizations. So it's limited in that way. But for an event um, where you really just need basic information, it does the job. And I think that that's why Sciencio is so successful around SMS. That's awesome. Yeah, really, really cool. I can see how that would be really, really helpful. Kelly, what do you think? So I'm a big fan of, obviously, I, I talk on the, the aspect of Facebook Messenger bots. And right. I am a really big fan of the website bubble and the pop-up. Well, I'm not a big fan of pop-ups, but you know, like, nice, <laughs> little, like, join our thing. I do think that it's important that your chatbot has a call to action more than just talk with our bot. It needs to be a, maybe a question or something. And I think also that pages should be customized per bot flow. So that if I have a blog, for instance, that's talking about Facebook marketing for small businesses, I might have a chatbot that leads into a lead magnet about that. And so the call to action is, would you be interested in learning more about this topic or something? And then that right. leads them in. On top of that, I, in terms of the future of chatbots and how it expands beyond Chatbots are already integrated in so many things that we do today. You mentioned earlier was the text messaging SMS. We've done Facebook Messenger, Siri, Google, a Voice, uh, Alexa. All these things are chatbots. And I believe the future is a seamless experience. No matter where I'm coming in, I'm going to have a seamless experience, whether I'm buying something, registering for something, or getting some kind of information, a lead magnet, or just information in general. Then I want that experience to be seamless no matter where I'm coming from. And I think that's really the future where we're hopping from app to platform and stuff, but all in the given platform that that person asked for or entered into. And really, it's about wearables and integrating yeah. it into your, you know, the, your life, your your living life. And so, so you're right, Kelly. It, it, you know, it's integrating all of the areas that you touch. But really, the the future is going to be all about wearables. And we're going to be able to talk to, you know, many different, you know, things that we 
either wear or that are in our house. And we, you know, we're, we don't have to go to sort of a chat, you know, a chat interface. We're going to be able to just there, you know, <laughs> yeah, just, it's just there kind of like some of the movies that, you know, minority report or, or things like that. But it's, that's going to be very interesting when it's like in, in our life, our everyday life. And there is no, you know, texting on your phone to try to get information. You know, it's more seamless than that. That's, that's what's really exciting to me. Yeah, that's almost mind blowing to imagine how things could be here in just literally the next few years. As your mind is being blown, Amazon (laughs) Alexa literally released an ad two months ago showing how the Alexa product can be used in that way. Like you walk in your house, your entire house is smart. And it's right. like all the products are there. It's just an idea. It just goes back to consumer adaption and education. Mm-hmm. So it will yeah. take a while for people to be comfortable, especially with things like the Facebook security breaches and Google security breach that just came out. Like we have a distrust. So we don't really want to welcome those things into our home right now. Right. Especially, right. we're just probably going to allow it anyway. <laughs> it's already there. <laughs> the convenience is going to outweigh any of yeah. the, you know, the like, sure. fears. Yeah. Yeah. And for some people, you know, they're already there, obviously. But yeah, yeah, I think I think the the key is, you know, and Susie and touched on this briefly, but the way that we look at it is focusing on the job to be done. So, you know, what is the job that you're hiring? Like we use the word hire because we talked about hiring a chatbot in the same way that you'd add, you know, another team member to your team. But you know, what is the job you're hiring them to do? But then I think on this topic, it's you know, what is the you know most friction-free experience, you know, for your customer or in our case, your attendee. So, you know, in our world, we don't, you know, we don't do Alexa stations in an event because logistically that just doesn't make sense, right? They all have a phone on them and they all, you know, know how to use text messaging. And so that's, you know, the channel that we use for that audience. But I think, yeah, like, like you both touched on, I think in the future, there'll be lots of other use cases for using something like Amazon Alexa or Google Home for people in their homes, right? Where they have that, where they have that device. Okay, so we're, oh, we're about halfway. And so we're gonna have to take a little brain break. So I wanna know from everyone, we're coming up on Halloween and it's like my favorite holiday of the whole year. I make my costumes. I have very high standards that I've set for myself. So I wanna know from, from everyone, if like cost and time were no object, if you could be anything, this Halloween, which, you know, I mean, we do adult Halloween, right? Adults have Halloween parties. And I mean, those who have kids, there's Halloween for them, but we also have a Halloween. And I'm going to go last since I'm. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Kelly. Yeah. So I have two little kids. <laughs> so we try to do family theme, which is kind of weird. I know like last year it was two mermaids and two pirates. My husband was a pirate. My daughter was, my oldest daughter was a pirate. This year we're doing superheroes and villains. And my husband is going to be Iron Man. My oldest daughter wants to be the Joker. And we're going to make my youngest daughter Batgirl. And then I am planning, we'll see, but I'm planning on going as Poison Ivy. So obviously we're Batman fans over there, but (laughs) that's that's what we have on deck right now. But my oldest daughter kind of dictates what we all do. And we're kind of still waiting on her a little bit. So that could change. That's fun. (laughs) And you see, so Neil Patrick Harris, his family, they love. Yeah, they do a full theme. Yes. He was on a talk show the other night. Every year they do something. It's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. It's awesome. 
yeah, I think it's super smart. Like, if you can imagine, I'm youngest with nine kids. Can you imagine if my family did that? That would be quite interesting, actually. <laughs> Figure out what, what could we... You guys can all be the Smurfs or something, or like the Care Bears. There's quite a few. Yeah. Megan, you're fr- from... You have eight brothers and sisters? Yeah. I do, too. Wow. Isn't that funny? That is. <laughs> There's are some of us out there. Not a lot, but yeah, it's a, it was a different time. Are you a middle child or... I'm the youngest. Oh, youngest. Wow. I'm, I'm fourth from the top. Okay. So a little bit more in the middle. (laughs) All right, Susan, what about you? Costume? Well, I would say more than just money, I would say if I had the body, (laughs) I would, you know, my, my, I have a son who's really super into superheroes too. So I would love to be one of the ladies from Black Panther or, you know, Catwoman or some somebody fierce like that, but probably wouldn't because unless I got into really much better shape. <laughs> oh, come on. Do it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Elizabeth, what about you? So I just got caught up on uh, Outlander on Stars. So I would be oh, I love Outlander. So there's like, you know, a new season coming up. So I just got caught up on like the last two seasons. I've been binging that. So I love, love Claire, it. obviously. So I'd be her. <laughs> totally. Love it. Jen. But would you be Claire in the, in the like, you know, Scottish? <laughs> in the past or the past? Uh, yeah, the past or the future. You know, that's funny. Yeah, I, was, I, was thinking, like, I was thinking of the, you know, 200 years ago version. That's what I would probably do too. But. Like, obviously that's, you know, that's more unique. Recognizable. But, um, but I don't know. She looked pretty, like, spiffy and sassy when she, like, yeah. came back to her original time, like, and she was yeah. a doctor. So I don't know. I'd have to figure that out. Tough choice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, clearly I need to be watching. Ah, you I watched the first season, like some of the really hot scenes. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Read uh, the books. <laughs> I watched those on a, my way to Australia. Nice. <laughs> it was awesome. Jen? I just want to be a full-fledged unicorn with a big old head <laughs> helmet mask thing. Do That's it. what I want to do. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> I, I saw it something online the other day that made me think of that and I thought could I do it and because usually I'm an inanimate object and so oh, yeah I know that <laughs> yeah so yeah I see you are kind of a unicorn oh yeah do it <laughs> you could buy one of those onesies I should oh, buy one of those ones. Bargain. I almost want to do inflatable. I, I just want to do all of it. <laughs> you could like wear it like a like a floaty. Yeah. And just go be obnoxious. Or that or T-Rex. I mean, I'm torn. Those inflatable T-Rexes that are just bouncing around. Those guys are hilarious. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. So I did a little uh, research recently to try to figure out what, I, what I'm going to do. And I never share my, it's always a surprise. But I'm, I'm like toying with a couple of ideas. This couple was, they were like, if you looked at their faces, they looked like they were zombies, like dead. And then on their bodies, she was a phone battery with like a little red line at the bottom. And he was a no Wi-Fi signal. And I just thought that was so brilliant. Like, oh my gosh, that's so smart. That is pretty funny. um, Holy guacamole. She had a green dress on with the avocados all over it. And she had a halo and I like that one. One of the most clever ones I saw that's a really easy, like if you're in a hurry, is devil in a blue dress. 
you dress up with the devil in the foot. It's the dra- the song, right? Devil in a blue dress. But you're yeah, like dressed remember up that one. with a blue dress on. Long while you're walking. Nice. No, yeah, I mean you have your a blue dress. You have to have a blue dress, obviously. Yeah, well, I mean, that's what thrift stores are for. Right. Being the mother of two very young children, I have to be able to get in a costume within five minutes and go trick-or-treating. So. I'm pretty sure that thrift stores do 75% of their business for the year in the month of October. Yeah, absolutely. So, okay. All right. Back to business. That was fun. All right. So I'm a writer and Elizabeth and I have talked about this before, like, the meat behind a bot is the words, right? Like you got to make it work, but it's like, what words, what words do you put in there? So we'll start with Suzanne first. How do you design the chatbot conversation? How's that look? I mean, I think that it's, it's, you know, just answering those three simple questions, like who, who are you designing your bot for? How, how should you address them? What language and tone are you using? You know, especially when related to your, your brand, I'm making sure you're on brand. And then also, what are you hiring the product to do? Just kind of like um, what Elizabeth was referring to. Really, every chatbot conversation should be around those three questions. You know, what are the you know what are the things that are important to answer or important to provide your end user as they're you know trying to accomplish the things that they're trying to accomplish. Um, event bots have two key components. There's you know the template, the questions it can answer, and then the library which is the answers to those questions. And importantly, you know, who is allowed to see those answers? We have different libraries um, depending on the attendee. Some attendees are VIP attendees and they have specific answers based on, you know, VIP questions, VIP parties, things like that. So we're able to customize the answers per audience. But yeah, I think that the that that's the main thing is really trying to map out sort of those, you know, answers to those three questions. I mean, every chatbot is a learning lab. You really should test as with any any other type of channel that you're using. You really want to test and iterate and make it much more powerful and useful as you learn um, how people are interacting with your chatbot. That makes sense. So Kelly, when you do yours, do you see I picture I used to be a web developer. So like I think in terms of code. And I think like the, do you do like a, if this, then that kind of a, kind of sort of. Uh, Yeah. Yes and no. So I'm a really visual person. And so that's what, that's the reason I picked ManyChat, by the way, as my bot builder is because they have a visual builder. And so when I start building a bot, I will just start building it like right in there and start visualizing it. And kind of, you have, you know, like a choose your own adventure. So I'm like, okay, boom, boom, boom. You're going to go here. You're going to go here. You're going to go here. I think that's something that is really important because you mentioned you're both writers. I'm really verbose. I am a talky, talky person. I like lots of words. And yeah. And one of the things I've had to learn and it's, it's kind of like, learning how, you know, training your muscles is you have to kind of train your brain to do this is go back and take out everything that's unnecessary because it's not email and it really does not translate well to have lots of text, which is something I struggle with with my bots. So I have to go through and be like, do I really need this in here? Can I simplify it? Can I throw in some emojis instead, you know? And really, I'll, I'll build out a whole bot and then I'll go right back through it. And I test my own bot before I even put it through my testing because I have people who will test my bots for me as well. I test my own bot like 50 times and I'm constant. Every time I make one tweak, I'm like, okay, I'm going to be running through this thing one more time. 
So I think as someone who is really wordy and likes to, you know, likes words and likes to write, that's where I usually start is the idea of everything that Susan was talking about. You have to have those things. But then when you're writing the content, it can get, it's very easy to go a little crazy. And then you have to go back and like, it's hard to let go of some words that you wrote that you love, but you got to cut them out. Right. And then it's funny because then I'll cut every whole bunch of stuff out. I'll send it to a trusted advisor. It's when I say, hey, can you go through this? And like, I think this is, it seems like you're duplicating things or you don't really need that. I'm like, okay. You know, I get sad about it because it's like I'm losing my children, these little pieces of the thought. But it is important to edit the crap out of yourself, right? So I think that you just start going through it. In my mind, I'm having the conversation with the human. I am the bot. I'm having the conversation. So as I'm building, I'm thinking about... I don't build an open-ended chatbot. I direct them where to go. Just like if you are reading a Choose Your Own Adventure, go to page 50 if you want this, go to page, you know? So I give them buttons, I give them direction and that helps it make it so that my chatbot is less likely to fail because when you start having open-ended questions, you start failure mode. <laughs> so I try to lead them as if I'm having that conversation. And one of the best compliments I've gotten from people who've taken like... I'm really known for my games, for instance. We have a question about that. Awesome. <laughs> um, but one of the best compliments I get time and time again is, Kelly, I know that it's not you. I know that it's your bot because I say it in the beginning. But it feels like I'm talking to you. And that's the ultimate thing for me. So Susan was saying brand voice, you know the brand voice. That's what it goes down to is no matter how much you're editing, you have to have it in your head that you're having a conversation with a human. And even though you're a robot, you still have to have some sort of brand voice and personality. And it doesn't have to be quirky and fun like mine is, but you still have to be human and not be super boring, you know? Yeah, totally. Do you ever write it? Have you mapped it out on, on paper or like... Oh, yeah. I got pieces of paper all over the dang place like that. But what I've actually discovered is that I just get frustrated. I'm like, I'm just going to start building it. I built a chatbot recently. I'm not going to tell you who it was for because it's kind of like a top secret project. I built it four times over. And what I ended up with in like four different flows. And what I ended up with after editing and editing and starting over and starting over was perfect. It was like exactly what I wanted. But it started completely different. So I find that sometimes I just it's better for me just to get in there and start building. And I think that's the case for a lot of people, especially if you're like procrastinating. It's just tear the bandaid off, build something. And then you can go back and redo it. It's not live until it's live, right? Absolutely. So on, so kind of looking at the conversation as a whole and thinking about, you know, how many questions or, you know, what we call topics or intents, you know, do you want the, the chatbot to answer? How do you know when to stop? Like, so you just said, you know, Kelly, I'll start with you. You know, you said, you know, just, just build it and then get it out there. So, you know, well, what build it your... and then edit it. I didn't say right, right, of course, <laughs> right, edit. But how do you know, like, how do you know, you know, what's ready? enough, right? Because we, we, you started to allude to this earlier, you know, you could, chatbots can, crazy. You, know, you know, answer everything. So how, what's, what's, where's that line for you? How do you what determine you, that? Right. So what are you trying to do? Right. So most of my, the people I'm trying to help, most of my clients have a specific need. I want to get more people reading my blogs. I want to get more people to attend my live Facebook broadcast I'm doing next week. So I don't, or I'm a real estate agent and I want to get more people to look at this particular listing. So I don't want to lead people too many steps because 
the bigger the chatbot, the longer the question and answer and directions and all the boxes, if you will, longer the flow, the less likely someone's going to complete it. They're going to be like, you know what? Seriously? Because again, going back to what we very first started, why do we use chatbots? Because I want my answer right now. Give me, give me, give me, right? So I don't want to keep going through all these flows. So you do have to edit yourself. You have to bring it down. Eventually, we will get to a place where artificial intelligence will pop in and it'll be more affordable to create these amazing, huge chatbots that can like solve world problems. But right now, I'd say 90% of the businesses out there, big or small, shouldn't even be trying to build that chatbot because they can't afford the tech. The tech is there. It's just very, very, very expensive. And you can't afford the tech and you can't afford the developers. I'm telling you right now, you can't. I'm sorry. <laughs> but you can build these amazing chatbots that are not necessarily huge crazy. One of the biggest mistakes I see in like the many chat community is that people will go in there and I did it. I have been known to do this. When I started building bots, is I would build these huge chatbots that were just like sexy chatbots, right? Like you look at them as a geek, like I am, and you look at the whole flow and the whole map out, and you're like, oh yeah, this is amazing. I'm going to share this with everyone. They're going to be so impressed. People still do this in that that group. And then those of us who've been around a while, we've done that, been there, we're like, oh, that's going to break. <laughs> so, you know, just try to break it down. And even if you are building larger chatbot flows, Build separate flows that connect to each other because every step in a chatbot in one flow is a reason for it to break. So sim simple, start simple and get rid of everything that doesn't need to be in there. I think that's the biggest lesson. Edit, edit, edit. If it doesn't need to be in there and while you're tested, but then while people are going through it, you can edit your chatbot. So if you're seeing that no one is ever going past this step or never even taking that step, then get rid of it. Edit. Yeah. I agree. I think you really want to focus on your overall goals and mm -hmm. um, really be tuned to what, you know, what questions are really going to impact the user's experience and help you deliver success. And you want to decide what questions that the bot should answer versus what conversations you want your team to have with, yes. with you or one of your team members. And I think that's really important. So don't try to overcomplicate things, give the user the things that they really need immediately, and then, you know, decide what are the, those, you know, questions that would really be better served by, you know, giving to a live team member. All right. So Kelly, we hit on this just a few minutes ago. So you, you use chatbots for gamification. I do. <laughs> Have your clients benefited from this also? Or do you just do that for fun? I don't know. I haven't actually done it for any clients. Um, okay. I do it for myself all the time. And I'll tell you, I'm, I just started a new initiative where I'm releasing a new game every Sunday for a fun Sunday fun day. And Sweet. I just did my first one. I actually used an old game that I created for the Amanda and Kelly show, put it on my page. And I have gained 60 new subscribers just in the last couple of days. Holy moly. Since Sunday. So I think there's a huge benefit. And I'm actually still, because of the nature of me being a trainer, I'm always like, I want to test this. And how can I make this work for business? And right. I've already seen the potential, even in my own business. At the very beginning, I told you one of my goals is to get people to use a chatbot to overcome the algorithm and get eyes on content. So what if I could build games or quizzes that lead people to an end result? 
Andrew and Pete is a perfect example of this. I built them a game. So I guess I have done it. Um, I built them a game for their, I think it was their 100th episode or something like that, the Atomic Podcast or of their videos. Or something. And we built kind of a what happens next. And then at the very end, they were like, all right, all right, you know, you've answered all these questions. Let's see what actually happens next. And click here and you can go watch the video. So you can actually, so I, for instance, I just did a Facebook game. You don't know Facebook. At the very end of the you don't know Facebook game, I didn't do this, but this is something I've been thinking through and part of my tweaking and testing. I could say something like, hey, I noticed that you got a low score. Are you interested in learning more about Facebook and how you can use Facebook for your business? I have this free guide and I can lead people into that. So there are ways to gamify. Gamify. <laughs> because people want to have fun. And you can also do, I've, I've had good results with like quizzes and stuff. So I see something for like a quiz for someone who might be interested or who might sell like health products, maybe. So how healthy are you or something like that? So I do think that there is a place in a, in a lot of businesses. I don't think every business could benefit from games and quizzes, but I do think that there is definitely a place. And I think one of the hottest places where games can help outside of content marketers is for restaurants and coffee shops and bars because trivia night, you know, that whole, like if you're already kind of facilitating that, you can do things where you're doing a game that ends in like a coupon and come into our shop and get a free appetizer with your beer or something like that. So I do think that there is a huge, huge possibility for... In fact, I've been looking for a restaurant to let me just do it so I can (laughs) test it. Megan's like, oh, wait a second. <laughs> right? So I just thought, like, if they checked in on Facebook, could we have a bot in place to, that would, then they would get prompted to... I don't think that we can do a check-in on Facebook, but you could do a scan code at the restaurant, get them to... Or even... There's actually quite a few things. You could do a text to... There's all kinds of things. But let's say you have a scan code... That we're like, hey, scan this, play, play, you don't know, whatever, play bar trivia with us and uh, go in and, you know, play a game and you're going to get a coupon. I used to go, I don't think this place is around anymore, but back in my, my college days, I used to go to a place called Bennigan's and they had trivia like every night and you would just go in and you get like this little electronic pad and you drink beer and play trivia. And it was just anytime you go in, you could play it. And that's where I got this idea. Like a bar is doing this. Let's capture those people and get them in here, you know? So that's where the games came from. Nice. Yeah. My, my clients wouldn't offer coupons or anything. But I do see like... So we could put like a code maybe on the menu mm-hmm. and like, incentivize them for whatever. Yeah, whatever you want to do. With their email to then give them opportunity for something. Absolutely. Cool. All right. Suzanne, are you guys doing anything with gamification for the events? It's not really a priority for most of our clients. I think we have have done them and we can do them, but it's generally not something that is, you know, is asked for us to do. Elizabeth, maybe you could speak to this a little bit more. Yep. No, that's, I mean, that's basically it. We have done it before, but because our chatbots have a more of a customer service angle than a, than a marketing angle, it's, it's just you yeah, know, I agree part of the job to be done. Got it. All right. So we have two questions that when we have time that we like to ask our, our guests. And actually, I'm going to go around the horn this time. Everyone going to get to answer this time. <laughs> so get ready. And so, all right. The first question is actually, Elizabeth and Jen, you don't have to answer this one, but I do want you to the, the second. So the I like to know, and it's appropriate, Kelly, since you're 
going to be superheroes for Halloween. If you could have a superpower in your job, so any uh, the ability to do anything in your job, no limits. What what would your superpower be? Oh, gosh, I would like to not have to sleep. <laughs> like. I would always just have the energy. I want the energy of my two-year-old. That's my superpower <laughs> because I would love to be able to stay up an extra, even just like three hours every night and work. I want more time. So I would say either free. I would say at first my thought was freeze time, but then like then social media wouldn't work. <laughs> so instead I would like to just not have to sleep ever. That's a good one, actually, because that that accomplishes a similar thing. We've never had anyone say that. I would that. always be rested. Or I would just need like a 30-minute nap every day, and I'm like, totally, let's go. <laughs> awesome. Suzanne, what about you? I think, I mean, obviously, you know, there's a lot of ideas that you have as a marketer, big ideas. Um, and if I could have one superpower, <laughs> it's really just being able to like you know, be I dream of genie and just have all of the bells and whistles that I want to create it <laughs> with a snap of my finger. I mean, because a lot of the things that you do as a marketer, you have to rely on other people for, and it's great. You can collaborate with all sorts of people, but you know, like developers are very hard <laughs> to access as Kelly was talking about. And I think that's, you know, I'm always trying to teach myself um, things or use templates and things like that. But you know, there are really great, uh, huge ideas that I'd really love to build, you know, from a marketing perspective. And if I had that power to build them, I would, I would definitely do it. That's a good one. All right. Awesome. Okay. So the next question is, I ask it, what, what's the latest tech app gadget that you're geeking out on right now? And it doesn't have to be new. It could be, but just something that you're finding to be super useful. I'm going to have Elizabeth go first on this one. Ew. All right. So I'm going to say, so my role has shifted a little bit from marketing to customer success. And I've started joining the CX chat every week. So it's a Twitter chat, you know, for customer experience folks, and I'm getting a ton out of it. I think their you know, Twitter chats can be a little, you know, hit or miss, like sometimes they're good and sometimes they're not. And this one seems to be a really cool group of people. And I think, you know, for those of us in kind of more of an event industry focus, I would highly recommend it for them as well. Because I think customer experience and attendee experience, obviously, this is kind of always where, not always, but in the last few years, like where my head has been at, I'm really just finding a lot of synergy with those folks. So yeah, search Twitter for hashtag CX chat. All right. I like that. You, you couldn't see it out there in listening land, but she just made the hashtag <laughs> mark with, with, her, with her hands. Um, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. You, what I found with tweet chats lately is it's a lot of the same people answering the same questions with, in a different order. <laughs> so when I find one, like the SME chat this week, I felt like was really valuable. I think that Jen is heading that one up for Social Media Examiner. And that's a good one. The Twitter Smarter Today with Jessica Phillips was really good. Um, but yeah, but I, I'll kind of like feel it out. And if I feel like everyone's just kind of answering with the same stuff I've seen before, I kind of like peace out. All right, Jen, what's your latest geek gadget app, whatever 
you know, mine is, mine is fresh as of today. Um, you know, I've always preached Agora Pulse. I love Agora Pulse so very much. Um, today I was taught a brand new feature. I mean, it's not a, it's not a new feature though. It's, um, it's a feature that's always been there and I've just never paid attention to. It's the queuing feature. And, you know, we have my friend Tim is here in town and he, he sat down and showed me how to queue different kinds of content on Agorapulse to go out to uh, Depict Media's Twitter channel today. And so now all I have to do is like set, carve out a set, a set chunk of time that I want to devote to creating content, queuing it up through Agorapulse, and I can be good for like a month, you know, promoting uh, the stuff that we have on YouTube, the, the blog posts that we have, the Facebook lives that we have. And so I am kind of excited to sit down this weekend and really play with that. Nice. Yeah. I'll give mine and then I'll let our guests. So it's not new, but I love, love, love the heart rate monitor function with I, I go to Orange Theory and I just think it's super cool. And I use it outside the gym as well for Ada. It just being able to see how many calories I am I'm burning or I'm not, not like the whole it's totally not new, obviously. But for me, I've I've found at least lately to be super motivating to for me to push myself harder and to, you know, to to try to surpass what I did previously. So I think, and I think anytime technology can be used to help improve our health, it's like bonus time. Suzanne, what about you? That's awesome. I just got an Apple watch for basically for that purpose. Although I was just like, well, might as well get, I was, you know, you could get just a heart rate monitor, but might as well get the Apple watch. (laughs) Um, So it's been awesome. But uh, the thing that I'm geeking out or I'm finding useful is Webflow. It's, you know, a website builder and it's, you know, marketed toward designers, but I've always been frustrated with certain templates. I like I like to have the custom ability options that Webflow uh, provides. It's like a power editor and you can do anything. You can design anything that you want using their editor, but you, you can also add like jQuery to it. So it has a lot of like really cool interactions that you can create uh, with websites. I haven't learned as much as I'd like to, but I love, I love that I could just really create a website from scratch that, you know, doesn't look like, you know, so standard template. I like that. Nice. A lot. To check that out. Kelly, what about you? So my obsession right now are these things on my face. You can't see them when you're listening, but these are blue light filtering glasses. They're non-prescription. I got these. These are Lady Boss. I think it's, let's see, ladybossglasses.com. And I'm planning on buying another pair because not only are they adorable, but they have seriously helped me. I was getting major eye strain, headaches. I was having a lot of eye problems. And because, you know, nature of my business, I'm looking at a device or a computer screen all the time. Anyone who's seen me live broadcast has probably seen the ones that I have that are, you know, darker. And they have kind of... These are a different company. The darker ones are um, different company. And the problem with those is they were tinted. So I couldn't do any editing. It was really hard to like work in Canva and that sort of thing, which I'm in Canva every day. So these boss lady glasses are amazing because it just filters out the blue light, but I can see clearly without any crazy light filter. So obsessed. Fantastic. All right. Well, we manage in an all bossly show, by the way. Just, <laughs> the first show we've had is done wow. all women, um, or maybe with the second one. So, thank you all so much, Suzanne and Kelly, for being our guests today. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I think that we we talked about chatbots in a really easy to understand. I 
My eyes didn't glaze over once. That's good. (laughs) (laughs) Another chatbot show that we did where I was like, oh, it got super technical. So I love that we kept this really easy to understand. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks also, Elizabeth and Jen, my my co-hosts. And this has been episode 23 of Making Marketer. And we will catch you next time.